of life's greatest questions is what happens to us after we die. Is death the end or a new beginning? Welcome to the Round Trip Death Podcast. In this show, we listen to first-hand accounts of people who have been clinically dead and return to talk about it. All right, so we are here today. We're talking with Teresa way down under in New Zealand. And Teresa, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yep, good to be here. Good. Well, it's it's been good talking to you prior to this and getting an idea of your life and what it's like in New Zealand. And, and to take things a little bit out of order, um, so you've had a near-death experience, or as we call them around here, round-trip death, because actually a near-death experience could be Hey, I was on the freeway today. Somebody cut me off. I almost got in a wreck. Gee, I felt like I was near death. Well, we yeah. talk more about people who have actually had an experience where they, where they did die, had an experience, and then came back to talk about it. And so we call that a round trip death. It just seems a little bit more uh, clarifying and, and, and specific. And I would love yeah. you to start over and just give a give me a little two or three minutes sort of. So. Yeah, so in 2014, I had um, I hemorrhaged. I was at home in my kitchen, and it was actually 11 p.m. at night, and I could feel myself, you know, starting to get weak and knew that I was going to pass out. So I rang my friend who lived five minutes down the road, and she came to my rescue, and I got it. It was very hard because I was up against the kitchen floor, and I could see the blood everywhere. And I had the kids, the kids were in bed. And so that was keeping, it was like, I can't go, I can't, like, I believed I was going to die. Yeah. Um, But my thoughts weren't about that or freaking out about that. It was just about, like, trying to stay there until my friend walked in the door, you know. And she comes bounding through the door with this, big smile actually and like she looked at the blood and then she looked at me and I knew she was trying to put me at ease and I I said to her I think I'm going to pass out and she was like yep away you go and and that See was ya. it yep and then I I as I was obviously coming to there I could hear like these voices and they turned out to be free beings um I couldn't hear them and as in how you would talk vocally with a human. I, it, it was different, like in your head. Um, and I told them that I couldn't understand them. <clears throat> At that point, I couldn't see them. And then, like, the three sort of shadows came forward, and then I saw these three beings. Two were elevated above the other one. I'm not saying they were levitating, but they were really, really tall and had cloaks on. Um, they were in maroon color cloak. The other one was smaller. I feel like the two taller ones were, they had a masculine vibe actually. And the other one I've always believed was more feminine. Um, And one of the males, more masculine ones said, we're not talking to you, we're talking about you. And yeah, it didn't offend me. It didn't offend me like you probably think you'd be offended by that. And I actually was just like, oh, well, they're nice. And because that environment is, oh, like, if I could if I could go every day and come back, I would. If, if I could just jump ship and, and go to and from every day, I'd, it'd be 
I'd get up earlier just to do it. Do you mind if I back you up a little bit at this point and, and let's get a little bit of background as yeah. to what was going on with you? And you don't have to give us details on medical history, but tell us what was going on that led up to this. Um, so I actually had um, a hemorrhage, but it, it happened three, uh, three nights. The, this, the major event was the third night. I'd gone to hospital bleeding and they actually told me, it's, sorry to the guys out there, but that, that this was a woman issue, like a monthly woman issue. And I was like, no, no, it's not. And fortunately, that same doctor wasn't on the third night. Um and so, yeah, so I hemorrhaged and there's no known cause for it. So they, you know, did uh, the operation to see if they could find anything. They, they couldn't find anything. I mean, originally I, they were trying to see if I was perhaps having a miscarriage or there's no scientific explanation or medical explanation for it. So I just, yeah, lost lost a lot of blood. And hmm. um, I had a unit of blood, obviously, immediately, well, when they could eventually get to my veins they had to go in through my foot um yeah and then I think all up I had about five units of blood uh, over the time I was in um yeah critical care and um yeah that yeah I tell you what it was a, a struggle like because I I came back and I when I came back I was angry because I'd been asking um I saw beings and so I I, I wanted to stay um but I didn't because of my children and um but I did beg them to let me stay a bit longer and they didn't um and it, it took me about a week like I was not just angry I was furious with them for I don't I don't really know why I just wanted to stay that bit longer because it yeah there's nothing on earth that would describe that if I could go again in a heartbeat and, and okay let, back, let's go back to the beginning of this so were you in the hospital when this happened or was this before when your friend came over? When, when um, were so you? I, yeah, no, I was, um, well, I arrived back. Um, and when I came back, I was in the ambulance. So, so this was at home. Yeah, you, this was you had at, lost it blood, at home. Passed out. Um, we assume died in, in some way. What yeah. was the first thing that you that you remember? What happened the very first? Um, just um, oh, it was just I just w was in a place that was um, physically looked like like an earthy. I call it like a cave-like um, environment. Um, it, it was yeah, the feeling though was really uh, at peace. Like these there's no piece like that um and and then I heard these voices and I hate having to say this it's ridiculous but they sounded like Elvin and the Chickmunks um <laughs> and it's it's not like you and I talking it's not like that it's like it's in your, in your head and um I said yeah, I was sort of listening for a bit and I'm like, what, what is this? You know, and I, I couldn't really see anything other than, uh, even visually it's different. It's quite hard to explain really in, in words. Um, but I eventually, I, I said, I can't understand you. Um, and I knew there were three voices and then I saw these beings. They were really tall, like really tall, long, 
lanky arms with um, a robe-like thing on, but their faces, like they had, uh, they they were yeah they had faces, but they didn't. I don't know quite how to describe that. It, hmm. My focus wasn't to their face. It was quite like you know that they were there. So you knew you were out of your body. Some people talk about seeing their body and no, going towards a tunnel or something. You didn't see any of that. Okay. But you knew no, you were I, somewhere. I knew I was somewhere. Yeah. But I was just, um, I didn't even think like I've, I've crossed over. That didn't even occur to me. I was just intrigued and, and like overwhelmed with how cool it was. Like it felt awesome. Whatever you, you feel at, at, at peace. And so I would just ring with that. And, um, yeah, and when I said to them, I can't understand you, one of them said, um, we, we're not talking about you. I mean, we're not, yeah, we're not talking, we're, we're not talking to you, we're talking about you. And I, I just accepted it. It was like, oh, oh, well, then I'll just kick back here. And it was like, ah. Oh. Um, and then I, all of a sudden, a, a lesson, I guess, on how trivial people can be and petty and you know, day-to-day things that will get worked up over it. Just, it's not even worth it. It's silly. And, um, and it made me laugh. I laughed at us actually for how silly we can be in life in general. Um, you know, and then, and and it was like in the background, I could sort of hear them disputing. And and like I said to my friend later, I said, it's like that with the combination of when I, all of a sudden I must have at some point decided to just stay because it was so nice. And then, um, I actually swore. Um, and so I didn't get in trouble for that. Um, I said that, uh, oh, and then the F word, I can't because I've got children. You know? <laughs> and then it was like, woof. And I could feel this G force. And that's when I was like, no, no, in the fight for my life, trying to beg them to let me stay. And they wouldn't. Um, and then I've found over time that, or, the, or um, I think I learned a lot more there than what I remembered initially coming back. And then it's like every time there's a situation um, that's relevant to things I've learned there, it, it, the answer's just clear or, the, or my understanding will just be there. Um, wasn't she just said look you're not the, the granddaughter um that you were I don't that's a bit harsh but I mean not on her behalf but it's it's true um and and people say I'm quite cutthroat like um if someone's being petty or like <laughs> yeah I've got a friend that holds grudges really bad and I and Anna heard me saying it too, and I was like, "You," because the person had got themselves wound up about something. And I said, "Look, that, that God's sake, the person you're so wound up about over for the last like three months or so is, is out there living your life. You don't even see them, have any contact, and you're still like it affects you on a daily thing." And I was like, "At some point, you've got to like let that go." I think I learned that when we behave like that, it's self harm. 
and I can get quite passionate um, trying to express that, but only, you know, because they don't understand me. And so I, I, I think that's why these things are important so that families can understand that someone like me say, can say things sometimes or even in Lisa, um, but I mean it, I don't, I can be quite cutthroat. Like if someone's going to behave stupidly, I'm like, I'm not, nah, nah, we're not doing that. Like it's okay to um, agree to disagree and, and, and things like that without letting your ego take over and I, I think I learned a lot about ego and judgment. Let's go back if you can fill in some more details about what happened when you felt like you were outside of your body. What else can you tell us about it and about the the three beings that were there? Oh they were um I would say um you know like when I said they said they're not talking um to me they're talking about me um that's the sort of thing that can be probably quite offensive in, in, in general. Um, but I didn't take it that way. These beings were, they are whatever, whoever they are, very pure, like really um, innocent. There's no bad in them. There's nothing, they're very, I would say, quite black and white. There's probably no gray area. Um, very matter of fact, but very, very um, compassionate beings. That Yeah. Were they talking out loud? It's, it's, it's hard to explain because it's not like you and me having a conversation where you can hear them. It's, it's more like you... Um, when I first heard them and said, I can't understand you, I could sort of hear them, I guess, more relative to as, as we can hear each other. But then from there, it's like it's just in your head. It's quite hard to explain. I don't quite know how to put that into words, okay. but you, you are communicating with them. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I think that there's places in between like that was, I don't believe that was heaven. I, I believe that was a middle ground or a place of decisions or something like that. I'm not really quite sure. How long do you think you were there? What did it feel like? Oh, I thought that I was there for at least four or five hours. That's how it felt to me, I guess. But time's time's not real, <laughs> if that right. makes sense. It yeah. was only a few minutes in our time here, but you felt like you were there a long time. What yeah. else? Was there more that happened? I mean, that's a lot of time. Um, oh, no, I just I did learn. Yeah, so with Nana, she asked me one day what I believed about heaven and hell like do you would god send a good person to hell um you know and i contemplated it and and i i said yeah i was like well he might send me to hell and i said so for example if i if i got sent to hell then um i believe it is under god's protection and it's because he's at his last end with you. There's something you've not learned or gotten over or, you know, like might be holding on to. It's like, like a, the friend of mine that's really holds on to stuff, like very egotistical, but a good person. And I've said, for God's sake, like, um, because this person does actually believe you do go somewhere. I'm like, God, I worry about you. Like if you would just, 
let things go, you've got more of a chance because if you keep this behavior up, you're like, you're more likely to go down there, like until you get over yourself, type thing. Like, but I, but I wouldn't want people to think that you just because you had a grudge with someone, you know. But um, that I'm just using that as an example. If if you were going to, and in general, you're a good person, I believe that there's a damn good reason for it. But you would be under his protection. Is what I got believe. it. Got it. Yeah. That's really interesting. His or hers or whatever, you know, like I've got friends that um call god source and stuff like that 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 doesn't matter and i would say to anyone that's had an experience or not um somebody that has i would find it hard that they would fall into a debate over that i, I think you would ex accept that yeah you, you i've found that since the experience that I've, there has it's almost like um a detachment between myself and others um and that we're able to i'm able to accept what you can't accept a lot easier for example if someone was horrible or whatever and did something that was very unjustified it's normal for people to go and have a you know bit of a shindag about it and express their feelings to their friends um and often we'll do that rather than dealing with the problem whereas and when it's happened to me, I've had a friend on a situation say, how can you not be so angry? And I was like, it's done. It's their problem. Like what, what they do onto you is, is I treat it like it's not my business. It, it will get taken care of. And it always does. You mentioned how, how peaceful it felt where you were. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? And then that, I think that relates to what you're saying right <laughs> now about how you deal with people now. Oh, it's so peaceful. Like, um, if I could, like, <laughs> oh, my friends would teasing me because if I was like, if I could just like touch shoes and and share that feeling with you, it's um, the the peacefulness is just like honestly, I don't know that it's beyond what you'd experience on Earth. Do you still feel that sometimes or is it just kind of impossible here? Um, no, but you can feel a connection. Like, um, and, I, and I make sure that I do feel that at some point every day or a lot of the, the day. Um, is it, sometimes I fail, um, but that's okay. But I think it's important. I've learned, well, when I came back, it felt like I was an alien dressed in a human suit on a body or on, on a planet I, I no longer belonged. What do you mean so, by that? Well, you just, it's like you could be around a thousand people and you just don't feel like, well, I didn't feel like I was human. I just didn't fit. So I felt like an alien, sort of, you know. Um, well, and you mentioned think, that you weren't, you didn't really, well, because <laughs> you're, because of your, because of your kids, you wanted to come back, mm. but, but not for a while, right? So that kind of yeah. ticked you off. Um, so how did that carry over? Um, well, like. I was quite angry. It was just because it felt so good. I just just wanted to have that bit more time there, you know. And I, 
and I probably wanted to be asking questions and stuff but just it, yeah um but yeah I think when I first came back it was really weird like it was I, I don't even know I think I just felt very detached very, so did you talk to anybody about it was there yeah, anybody that we, could understand and kind of relate to what you were going through no no people just thought I was mad that just you could see you know if I said to my friends I lost a lot of friends and I withdrew actually completely completely withdrew like just um apart from work but other than that I completely withdrew from people why is that I just couldn't like I found myself I'd be sitting around my friends and stuff and that's fine and it's and yeah um and they'd be laughing at stuff that wasn't funny. And I just started to notice that in so many situations, people were horrible to each other. They're horrible to each other in the workplace and like really petty. And um, any opportunity to backstab another person. And so it just got to, it was too much. I, there was a, I just, it's like I was, you know, like attacked from all angles at seeing a side of people I'd not really considered so much. Yeah. Uh, you came back a different person. Yeah. Yeah. Totally different personality. They reckon. I sort of feel how like about, I've forgotten how I was. I just am now. How about um, your family? Do they see this change? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, yeah. Yeah. My partner left me. It broke our um, relationship up. Yep. Because I would find that I'd be overrun with this energy and I'd often be like this, like having, it was like a surge, <clears throat> like a surge would go through my body. And erratic, you can probably tell, I can jump from conversation to conversation really fast. Speaking of that, you mentioned something in your, in your summary here about issues with electronic devices ever since. And, and by the way, how long ago was this experience? Eight years ago? Uh, in 2014, January, 2014. Yeah. So eight years ago, how, how do you, how do you deal with electronic devices now and why? Uh, <laughs> things started to get a bit better in 2020. Like I just, it got to the point that uh, my friends, myself, like I had to agree. Um, like Chloe, a good friend of mine, um, if I if I go to her place, well, she's in India at the moment, but if she was home and I went there, like it became like an automatic response. She'd get up and put her laptop away and put her phone away and like, <laughs> don't touch my phone. Or don't, and why don't is that? To it. Um, because I, I remember one time I'd used her device for something I was just looking at the time or whatever. And then anyway, I got home <laughs> And she rings me up and she's like, oh, my God, man, what have you done? Like, I've used your laptop and it just dies. It just stops working. And then she's like, with, with the phone this particular day, she's like, what did you do? And I was like, I just checked the time. And she was like, all my settings and everything are up, have changed. And she said, and my Tinder, she goes, I was like, you what? And she was like, my Tinder's got all these creepy men on it. I was like, I didn't open your phone. Like, I was like, we'll do things like that, but for things to just stop functioning is, is what generally happens. They'll just shut down. Give me another example, like cell phones. Yep. The screen will just go blue and then it switches off. 
And do they come back on or are they dead? Yeah, they do, but they they it's like they're on delayed reaction sort of it's like they're suffering from a delayed reaction and like I could be say on Facebook and then all of a sudden my Gmail will open and it will start flashing like at the, the actual I don't know it's it's like it's warping or something it's weird so I still get that now um but that happens it used to be I could only be on a device for about 15 minutes before that stuff would start carrying on um, now it's stretched out to about two hours before I generally start getting any bad behavior from it. Um, electricity, like, you know, static electricity with cars, you know, how you'll hop out of the car or go to shut it and you might get that wham. Um, there's that. So, so much so that I'm actually in, in the habit of just lifting my foot up and shutting the door now. It's just habit. I just don't touch it with my hands. You better be careful um, pumping the gas in your car. Yeah, I don't like doing it. I always wear gum boots. I can get away with it because we're in the country. And so in little old New Zealand, if you rock into town in your gum boots and stuff, they just assume you're a farmer anyway. So that's okay. What What else has changed? Do you feel more um, perceptive about good, evil, positive, negative, anything like that? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Um, first, I think it's important for people that have experienced this, that are feeling out of whack, just to ground yourself. Like I've got a wee bush walk down the down the road, and and I find my I've always had um, good relationships with animals. And naturally, you know, like uh, I grew up on a farm, and my horse, my pony, um, and sh- my sheep, Leamington, and my German Shepherd, Basil. We'd, we'd all go off together like it was just like a little family of friends and um same now like with my horse and stuff like a lot of people are like wow man that's like he's like a well-trained dog like I can take him for a walk down the road without a halter or a lead rope he'll just you know come along I'm at ease with animals but I'll go to the bush and just sit and I notice that birds are very drawn to me since uh, I seem to have a thing with birds. Like I've had one just land on me and start eating my biscuit while I was sitting outside and it'll mm. be like, you know, or they'll come inside and now like my partner or the kids will be like, mum, there's a bird inside, you know, and I'm like, because <laughs> normally it's just a mess and they go toilet in the house and, and fear, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, just everybody leave leave we don't need your silly energy you know and I just I don't know it's like we can communicate what way out come on out you go and it doesn't they don't panic they just do this thing at me why do you think this is is there something I think it's I think there's an energy change I think that there's it has to be something when you cross over something changes and it's energy of, of sorts I don't know how to explain that um I wouldn't even know where to begin but certainly you you I would say that my brain is my stomach everything's done by feel I I it's like my my emotions emotional center is my brain it, 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 like I feel the energy in my stomach your yeah, physical feeling is associated with everything Okay, yeah, so after the incident, um, well, prior to 
Um, my experience, I was working for Harvey Norman. I don't know if you have Harvey Norman over there, but it's it's just an outlet store that sells um, TVs, you know, appliances and stuff like that. Um, and, yeah, and then while in critical care, I had an overwhelming need, like need, a need, and I even questioned it to ask myself what this is about, um, to work in a rest time, and I'd never had that desire at all um and so when I left the hospital before I even got home I went straight to Harvey Norman and handed in my resignation and then um, my friend went into where I ended up getting the job and they she went in and got the form I didn't want to go in because I looked like not good um and then two a week or two weeks later I, I started there um and I was day shift and this particular nurse was night shift. And so we passed at handover where we, he was leaving, I was coming in. And as he walked past, I just got this real, you know, like this shudder and, um, and, and like a form of um, a stench that you, you wouldn't, yeah, other people crossing him in the hallway wouldn't smell it. Like, I don't know, that, mm. it was that horrible. Um, it just, he just reeked of evil. And, um, yeah, and so then I noticed over a week that the staff were talking about this resident and I was just like, what? Like, what? And they weren't being nice about her. They were, yeah, they had his back. They He obviously would complain about her and that manipulated staff into believing him because I noticed that a lot of them that work there when I started to work together for, you know, 10 plus years and, and they'd obviously gotten into some kind of a social status thing. And rather than looking after doing their job and actually considering whether there really was something wrong with the resident, they didn't, they just played his game with him. And, you know, I walked into her room when I, I walked past her door and it was like a week on and it was like, Hmm. I'm just going to go in and see who this woman is, you know, and I walked, I opened the door and I walked into an old lady crying and I could, you know, they shared on suites and I could hear, and I asked her what was wrong. And she said, they're talking about me, but you won't believe me. <clears throat> and I was like, yes, I will. And I could hear chatter, idle chatter. And so I walked through the, into the ensuite and just listened. And there was um, two care workers and a resident, ragging on her so she's had to listen to this for god knows how long um and so i called the staff members out and and i said you you've been sitting in handover every day knowing knowing that what you're doing is in fact not her it's you you know and so that got their backs up because who was i i was new um so jump forward to seven months down the track it took a lot to get in but I had a glass full of um diazepam and lorazepam that were not prescribed to her so she shouldn't have had those drugs the, the, in New Zealand the GP prescribes what drugs they get um and she didn't and those are called DDs here on the charts there's she wasn't prescribed DDs by her um GP there's no absolutely no way she should have had them I also noticed that there was a funny signature or type thing beside Betty's name on the on the drug charts, and it was only when he was on, but he was the only nurse on in her wing, and it didn't match his signature. And so, 
yeah, there were a few things that had him. There, there's no, there was no way out. Um, but for seven months, you know, the, the way they treated her and and I feel like um, that's that was the desire of, you know, she needed help. I think I think that was part of God's plan. And so I will run with that. And you, if you get, if I get an overwhelming desire to do something, I'll I'll give it the grace because, you know, if I did, I mean, right. if I didn't listen to myself, then she'd be dead. So what happened and to the guy that smelled bad? A, a monster got away with it, you know. Like, so what did he do? Was he? What um, happened? He was. He he wasn't doing anything like sexually to her. Um, he was. It was like a power abuse because he could because she was weak, and so he would pull her beard away from the um from the wall so she couldn't reach her bell and like she'd wet her beard and then he'd tell her off and um. So just abuse in other ways. Just yeah. abuse. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and and I and, and no one, no one gave her the benefit of the doubt. Because they just wouldn't believe her. They would believe him, is what you're saying. Yeah, because their playtime lunch affairs were more important, you know, and, and being popular with the nurse. So there to to switch gears a little bit here, there are people out there that just think, okay, when we come to the end of our life, we die we're stuck in the ground or cremated or whatever. That's it. There's nothing else. What would you say to them? <laughs> you don't die. I would say that um, our, our body physically comes to an end, but that, that's it. The rest of us does. And you're exactly who you are. My, yeah. I, I was, well, yeah, fully aware that I was me when I crossed over and I like, that was like, you know, after the fact it was like, damn, like I would never have no fear of death, none. And I believe, you know, like, so when people want to hear from their loved ones or whatever, so, you know, the, the lady that was with me that, that I rang and I, when, when I passed out, um, or, you know, she actually passed away. She got cancer and died very quickly. She was a very good friend of mine and, um, had young children and, fortunately one of the the youngest who was 12 I think um her dad lived in town so she lived went and lived with her dad um Chloe was a bit older 21 and, and her brother um as well so and he his aunt their auntie Lenny sorted him and um Chloe was always already living independently but then her and her boyfriend broke up and she came and stayed with us and she was pretty down in that but that's okay we got through that when she crossed, it was really quite nice because, um, you know, Chloe and, that, and, and I were like, um, you know, we want to communicate with her and that how do we know that she's okay and stuff. And so when I'd said something to Chloe and I can't remember what it, exactly what it was, but she rang me one day and was like, oh, my God, I just found a stone and it had a picture of the tree of life on it and she was like and this morning when I was doing the dishes I, I said to mum I, I keep thinking of the tree of life and you mum because Christine were a pendant of it and anyway as she was just out walking there she stumbled across it and I was like yeah well that's your mum like I said because I think people think that they're going to have this conversation or they expect for them to do something that's super obvious or 
but it doesn't work like that. The other thing is too, I've, on earth we grieve, up there we don't. Like um, I, I would say to people, like I like, and and it's good because Chloe and that knew what happened to me, so they they knew um, that there's a chance that you know Christine was fine and stuff like that. And um, I said, like like you know the the way to look at it is up, up, up there they not they know that they're going to see you again. Like I I know that now that I know that you still live when you cross over that it's going to be the ones on earth that I leave behind that are hurting while the uh, meanwhile and up in heaven everybody's like oh we'll see you know your silly things sort of thing like if you could install that into to people people would not fear death because there's no time there's no time there so it's not like whereas on earth it's like you know like people that have lost their children they've got possibly years to go before they see that child again and and that would it rips people up but if I could <laughs> implant the, the other reality of it, it it's really nothing in, in the grand scheme of things if you could give them that ease would be nice but you can't so did you learn anything else about what happens after we die no that's no I, I don't know I feel like I'd Oh, like that still frustrates me. They could have given me a glimpse into what was next, but they didn't. They just sent me back. And so it's like Yeah, you you mentioned a lot of frustration. What was all the frustration from? There's one thing. What else was it from? You just weren't ready to come back yet? No, I just wasn't. I, I I preferred that they gave me another hour or two to do some more you know learning like you know like they could just hand it to you but no like you've got to come and work it out for yourself pretty pretty uncool so so first they were talking about you not to you then they wouldn't give you enough time kind of rude it sounds like it's rude and so (laughs) i made myself feel better like i actually said to nana i was like i reckon that they were having a debate because at one point they were kind of loud like in my brain or i could i don't know and um and I said, I reckon that two of them, well, like she's she's run out of time, you know, like she's lost way too much, but there's no fixing that. And I reckon one of them was like, no, she's going to remember her kids. She's going to remember her kids or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's how I justify it. Any idea Carry who on. those three were? No. And I've looked, I, I have actually seen um, examples where other people have said they've seen upbeing or... Mm-hmm beings um and i've seen um, a, a, a woman in australia she has seen three beings as well so but i've never had an actual answer you know as to clearly what or whom and what their part in this is right you mentioned they were but wearing I'd like robes to see them again whoever they were they were cool like i'm angry <laughs> they, were, but cool. they were cool like. <laughs> rude, rude but cool were yeah. they uh you said they were wearing robes, white robes. Yeah. No, no, no. no. What color? Um, maroon, like a maroon color. But they're definitely there, and I would say to anyone, don't fear death. Like this, <laughs> it's awesome. The bottom line: don't fear death. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Teresa, thanks a lot for spending time with us today. No worries. Thank you. 
If you've had a round-trip death experience and would like to share it with us, we would love to hear from you. Send an email to me, eric at roundtripdeath.com. And lastly, if you've found this program uplifting, if it's given you just a little more hope in the future, share it with a friend, rate us five stars, and be sure to visit roundtripdeath.com. Until then, I wish you everything good that you're looking for in this life and the next.